Good morning, everybody. Matt Halpern here, and this is episode 21 of the Chocolate Croissants podcast. Thank you very, very much for tuning in. For those of you who have been with us over the past 21 weeks, it's pretty incredible that you are still here. So thank you very much. We uh, we don't take this for granted, and we really appreciate every single one of you who's tuning in to hear what we have to say and what our guests have to say each week. Um, it's pretty amazing what this has turned into, and um, we're seeing it grow weekly, and, uh, and we just couldn't be happier. So thank you very much again. As always, I just want to give a quick nod to everyone in our Facebook group. The interaction that's taking place there on a weekly basis and a daily basis is just incredibly inspiring. You guys are helping each other out. You guys are asking good questions. Uh, you're, you're engaged with one another, and it's super positive. And um, I just really, really am happy that we've been able to help create that platform for anyone who wants to take advantage of it, um, and I encourage everyone to do so. If you have not checked out our Facebook group yet, I encourage you to get on Facebook and uh, search for Chocolate Croissants, or you can go to facebook.com groups slash chocolate croissants. You can jump right into the conversation, ask a question, say hello, chime in on one of the conversations, whatever. Either way, we would just love to have you there to check things out and see what's going on there. One of the other big perks to that is we announce our guests for the, the coming weeks a week before, um, and we take questions specifically for the guests there. So if, uh, if you'd like to be kind of more in the loop about who we're going to have on the podcast and want to ask questions, we, uh, we take them all seriously and we make sure that we do our best to, to get them in each week at this point at least. There haven't been uh, an overwhelming amount of questions yet, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway, that being said, for anyone who is listening now who is not subscribed to our podcast, I would love for you to just take a second, if you can, open up your phone, click on the podcast app, whatever it looks like in your phone, and just search for chocolate croissants. Once you find us, you'll see a subscribe button. Go ahead and click that. By clicking that, you won't have to think about downloading our episodes each week. They will automatically appear in your podcast app, ready for you to listen to every single Monday morning. We would love to have you on board as a subscriber. I also, as always, want to just take a moment to thank our very, very good friends at Rode Microphones. They have been incredibly supportive of this podcast. And what's really cool is I was actually just in a recording session earlier this week uh, in the UK, and we used some really amazing uh, Rode microphones to capture some drum sounds that are pretty incredible. So, I mean, this, this company knows what's up when it comes to microphones. So if you're looking for some mics for live recordings, if you're looking for microphones for shooting videos with your phone, if you're looking to podcast and you want a mic, uh, that is going to capture your voice, uh, in a way that's very professional, then road Mike definitely has the products that you will want to check out. And you can do that right now at roadmike.com. That's R O D E M I C.com. Or you can visit them at their socials and see what they have going on uh, at Road Mike. All right, on to episode 21. As I mentioned earlier, I am very, very excited about the guest we have this week. He is absolutely one of my biggest heroes. He's a mind-blowing drummer. He is a extremely charismatic and very, very knowledgeable and funny educator. And he's just an all-around A-plus human being. I don't know how else to describe him. He's just a great guy. His name is Benny Greb, and he is an inspiration to pretty much every single person that he encounters. He's wise beyond his years, and quite frankly, I, I think of him as a guru. 
um, for lack of a better word. He's he's absolutely of the level of, uh, of of someone that I just look up to as sort of seemingly all knowing and, and all powerful. And uh, he's he's just a great dude. But anyway. His depth is very wide and and it's extreme and I've personally learned so much from him not only through this conversation but uh, in all of my encounters with Benny over the years. I first met Benny actually in 2012 and we talk about this in the podcast um, at Minel Symbols headquarters when we were both performing at the Minel Drum Festival that summer. Um, and watching him perform in person, watching him teach in person just completely blew my mind. What was so great about him and is still so great about him now is his humility and his genuine love and care for others and his craft. He doesn't do anything half-ass. Everything that, that this guy does is calculated and researched and thorough and done to the nines. And I have the utmost respect for him for those qualities. Um, this episode in particular is filled with huge gold bars of wisdom and I really would encourage you guys to tune in for the whole duration because there's some stuff even towards the end that you don't want to miss. Uh, I'm going to stop talking now, but I should let you know that we had a very funny and ironic occurrence happen during the intro, right when this kicks in. So pay attention. If you're a drummer, you're sure to laugh about this. And even if you're not a drummer, you will absolutely enjoy this episode. I can goddamn guarantee it. So give it a listen. Enjoy a good laugh and enjoy episode 21 of the Chocolate Croissants podcast with Mr. Benny Greb. I'll do a quick little count off and we'll just clap together. Hopefully with the majority of well, all of us being musicians and the majority of us being drummers, we can stay on time. Um, so I'm going to go, we'll, we'll do a four count and then we'll clap on the five. So we'll go one, two, three, four. Okay, we got it. Perfect. Well, I don't let's know. Let's blame it on the technique, okay? Let's blame it on on the technology and and the delay, and uh, because we would have been so like so sync. I mean, would have been amazing. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, so for everyone Can you who's guys now quantize that for everyone who's now listening to to count this off because we're doing this with Benny overseas. Um, we do a little count in and a clap to to sync up our audio and. Uh, I made a whole point to say that, oh, we're all drummers. We should be able to nail this perfectly. And, of course, with the delay of technology, it was like a good second off. So uh, so there you go. That's that's Those are good drummers for you. Rock and roll. So anyway. It's, all, it's always good to start out with like some modesty. You know, I, I'm in the right mindset now. So. <laughs> I mean, you guys can all blame it on me. It's Justin here. I'm a bass player, and I'll just – I can take all the blame. Oh, perfect. Okay. Perfect. For I, actually, Jordan here, Benny. I know from just spending time with you, you love like picking on bass players. I do. <laughs> oh, bring the hate. Hey, Benny. What is? Do, sorry to put you on the spot, but do you have a favorite bass player joke? Uh, yeah. I mean, did did you did you hear um, the sad story about the, the bass player that was so frustrated with his timing that? Uh, he threw himself behind a train. <laughs> uh, no, right. I haven't heard that one, but that's really good. I, you know, I can, I feel like I could count on you for like a solid new joke. I really do. Um, and that's, you know, it's funny what I've, what I've always loved about you, Benny. And, and I'm going to go back here to when I actually first met you in person, which was Minel drum festival, 2012, 
Oh, I, yeah. What I loved about that that whole experience in, in watching you teach, because I saw your masterclass and I also saw your performance, you worked mm. in humor in this incredible way. Um, and, you know, I, I guess I had always sort of perceived you to be very serious and um, a little <laughs> bit a little bit like Norbert, um, who, by the way... <laughs> as we know is is it can can totally not be serious as well and he's very funny and, and a lovable great guy um but you know not knowing you guys very well i just kind of assumed like you were very serious and kind of uh kind of dry in certain ways but when i watched you teach i mean i was sort of in awe you know as a teacher myself i was just blown away by your ability not only to drive home the message um and deliver the information very clearly but you made me laugh my ass off and everybody in the room was, was laughing. So that kind of leads me to, to where I wanted to start with this in a way I wanted to go back to kind of the beginning for you because you, you're, you're a force to be reckoned with as a drummer, as a creative, as a overall musician and as an educator. And you either have had to have read tons of great books or have had to have great mentors or simply are just, you know, a genius for lack of better word. I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm buttering you up right now. I know, but that is the, I think there is a very strong perception of that in the drumming world. And, and rightfully so you are at the top of the game. Um, and you're so humble and you are so funny and you are so caring about the people you work with and the uh, that's evident in the the things that you do. So, with that in mind, I just feel like you're extremely well-rounded and what I haven't ever really talked to you about or seen out there in other forums is really your story and where you come from and how you did really become who you are as far as the professional and the person that you present yourself to be. So, I don't know where you want to start. I don't know if that is back when you were a kid or if that's, you know, more so leading up towards like when you really started doing this professionally. But I would love to hear your thoughts on kind of where this all comes from and um, if you're just a Jedi naturally. Oh, man. We should end it right here because it can't get any better than this. This is amazing. Thank you. This is awesome. Uh, um, first of all, uh, well, thank you. This uh, you're you're super generous. And um, but I mean, it's a mixture of a couple of things. Uh, I don't know about the genius thing, uh, but but the other things that you said, which is uh, humor is very important to me. Um, uh, gathering knowledge is very important to me, and um, I. I um, well, I, I grew up in a in a little village called Eichstetten in in Bavaria, very close to Munich, and um, it wasn't a pulsating music city, and uh, like there were concerts all the time, and it was amazing, and my parents were like. Uh, background singers for James Brown and I was like this was the thing and I just was born into it but it was really um I was I usually joke about saying like you know when I started to play the drums I uh, pretty quickly was the best drummer in the village um because I was the only one and uh, so I, I was a little bit of a um I tried to find my own way there and um it it yeah, was was at times maybe a little frustrating and 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 lonely in a sense, and and in the other sense, it was just beautiful to have this thing, um, 
and to have found something that I that I loved and that I wanted to spend time on, and to have something that when I came home from school, um, I knew what my, the rest of my day is going to be, and it it was it was basically going into the basement and playing the drums. Uh, eating some uh, pizza and watching Star Trek, and it was a, a very happy childhood. And <laughs> it, uh, it, uh, um, then I later had a couple of bands and also played guitar. And please don't tell anyone. I also practiced bass. And but but it, it, was, it was this thing of like, oh, music is 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 amazing. My parents valued music. They um, they loved to take me to concerts, but they weren't themselves musicians. But um, and and when it came time to kind of choose like the next step after school, I uh, my mom was great at that. Like we we looked at my life so far um, and discovered like, look, if this is what you do all the time anyway, let's try to like move it forward with like studying music or something like that. And regarding the humor thing, I realized. Um, uh, that that it's the best thing for me uh, as a teacher and as a human being um if i take the art form and other people very seriously um but i don't take myself very seriously and i and this is the easiest and best way for me to operate because um then it's not so super hard when i have a high quality standard and i then realize how many times i fail and how stupid i sometimes am and how inconsistent i uh, then find myself and it, to 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 watch that with humor and to accept that lovingly hopefully and then to to keep going um is is great and and uh, i had times where i lost that a little bit and uh, it wasn't nice so um i i really wanted to find a balance there and it's a constant struggle still um to get um a high quality standard and and uh, this moving forward drive but at the same time, being able to step back and say, like, you know what? It's, you know, it's all just a game. It's all funny. It's like, I mean, I, I spent my days hitting things and traveling around the world with that. Uh, it's really funny. I mean, let's be honest. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I always tell people that, that um, I hit things for a living, you know? Right. And it's true. It, it is... I guess you're right. It it is funny, especially when, at least for me, when you look at the faces I make. I mean, come on, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you um, have great drum faces. That's oh, true. Yeah. Oh man, you oh, you know man. it. I wish I could have your drum faces because you always look so damn cool, man. Um, oh come on now. <laughs> oh, it it it's true. It's true. But the um, thing is, when you say you hit things for a living. People would believe you and be afraid. When I say I hit things for a living, people would just laugh. So, so that that's I think uh, the difference. So you're fine. Oh well, th it, it's very kind of you. It's very kind. Hey of Matt. You. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it's Jordan here. I want to follow up on that, Benny, because I'm really glad you brought that up. And to give the listeners some context uh, or context, you and I, we uh, we met. I think it was back in 2013 uh, in the Catskill Mountains in New York. And yeah. For two years, uh, I got to know you pretty well for, for about five days at a time, helping you manage one of your master sessions, uh, I think in 2013 right. and 2015. And 
Uh, and it was it, weird for me, like take, uh, taking a walk there in the Catskills and then finding this guy naked, like walking around. Uh, I was surprised <laughs> to find you there, but a great friendship evolved. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs> Most of my friendships start that way. Funny. <laughs> I know. Oh, you're such a player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but what I sorry. What I really loved about you was was what you're talking about in that. Uh, you, you can exist at these two polarities in that, in, in one respect, you are a complete professional uh, and you are very responsible and you're very thorough. Uh, but on the other end of it, you can equally not take yourself and your work so seriously. And I think it's so important for so many reasons, but it really allows you to... Uh, not fall too far to one pole and really be a complete human being in your experience. And uh, I, I mean, I realized quickly on that's why, you know, 25 people are traveling from all over the world and spending thousands of dollars to be with you for that week. Yeah, I mean, like in when when I teach or when I do, I just had this uh, this tour in China and audiences are a little different there and there is also this barrier of like translation and stuff and uh, I really realized like I will do anything to to keep them engaged and to and I, I'll just be happy to totally make a fool out of myself but then like with these uh, I don't know how you call them in, in English we, we call them schluck info which is you get some medicine on, on a piece of sugar, right? And you you take it on a spoon and you just like that's how I I try to to sneak in hopefully deep and valuable information by um, by you know, I, I give them your sugar, but there's some stuff with it as well and that they hopefully can take with them and and sometimes it doesn't take much more than like one tip that that gets you on a very different path. I mean that's at least how it was with me. And uh, th these moments are different for everyone, but there are these key moments sometimes where something just clicks or something just fits, and then it's like, oh, oh yeah, may maybe I should. And then, and then you have to think of it. I mean, that you chose this moment uh, it speaks more about you than about me, I think. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for that. And real quick, I know I know Justin and Matt uh, have some follow-ups, but as you explained that, what I realized is that. Uh, you're like the John Oliver or the John Stewart of music education. Oh, wow. I love those guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, but I mean, you know, there's so many people that turn to them for you know, uh, political news or just news in general, but I think it's right. because they add that sugar, or, hmm. you know? Yeah. But they're also like nice, uh, the, like the, the secret of those guys is as well, and I, I think it's the same in education that... Um, portion size is very important um, like our fitness trainer and nutritionist can also I think uh, validate <laughs> and it's it's like how much and in in which syntax so we, we sometimes as educators make um, make the the mistake of thinking look I will just spray shoot and vomit all my knowledge out and that should be fine right they should be they should be fucking happy with that, hopefully, because I give everything, and and it's a little more than that because uh, the the amount and the syntax, so meaning the the order in which uh, you structure them and how good it is structured, uh, really makes all the difference. And 
someone like John Oliver is great because he takes on these huge subjects. And what he does is he he usually has a, a very good story. He first explains what it is. He then takes it apart. There is there is never then two minutes without a joke. So you keep keep uh, engaged. And then, but he leads you through those things that basically talk about values and talk about decisions that um, that we as a world or the U.S. as a country has to make. And um, it then always concludes with something that you can actually maybe do about it or, or something that we could now uh, think about. And, and this is, I think, very important that um, if you want to communicate effectively that um, the content is, of course, great. The intent has to be great, uh, has to be honest. You want to help people, hopefully. Um, there has to be some education there, some some way to keep people involved. And the syntax is important, the order in which you give which information. Um, and we have this in sentences and speaking. It's very important. If you say like Johnny uh, or the dog bit Johnny or Johnny bit the dog, it's a very different experience, especially if you're Johnny. And it's it's a... It's, I didn't change the words, but I only changed the order in which those words appear, and it, it made all the difference. So, so it is, I think, yeah, and the intent part is uh, this thing of, like, they, they, they won't care what you know if they don't know how much you care. So if, if you really um, know what, keep your eye on, uh, eyes on the prize, so to speak, and be like, look, what is my role here? Is my role here to, to jerk off and be like, look how great I am? Or is my role to be like, look, how can I take these three days and give you something valuable that, that, uh, you maybe didn't expect to exceed your expectations, um, to let you have a good time. And then, uh, you play, you're a different drummer when you leave this camp and a different musician. And, uh, I'm not saying that I always can do this with everyone, but uh, this is my aim and, and uh, this is something I'm, I'm committed to. And I'm glad you brought that up with John Oliver's format in that he'll typically end with a call to action because uh, right. I, I definitely experienced it in your education. And I know, uh, I mean, all three of us here on the other end of the line, we feel the same way whenever we're working with people. It's, yeah, we can provide information, we can provide advice and, and humor, but but it really it's what can those people do when they're not with us, right? And and the thing is, if that doesn't occur and it's just information that's well presented, it can sometimes leave you with the feeling like, ah, oh, this guy is great. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that then I will do something different because of it, or I'm a better drummer because of it. So I've been to many. Look, I'm a professional drum clinic visitor, so I go to these clinics and a lot, and I did that a lot in my childhood. And and sometimes I, some people played amazingly, uh, played great music, but then didn't know what they were talking about. And sometimes they were great educators, they didn't play that well, they didn't grab me like musically in in, in their performance. Um, and sometimes you had the feeling they don't even want to share that much, or sometimes you had the feeling of where they really want to, but it's a little bit messy. So I started to make lists and, and write down, like, look, what are the elements that, that I want to master if I want to be effective in that field? So uh, so these are always kind of the checkpoints that, that I, I want to reach, so to speak. Benny, Justin here. Uh, I just wanted to Hi. say that you, you're so right. The content, the intent, and the, the syntax uh, are of the utmost importance when you're trying to 
present something to someone and um you know no matter what you're teaching uh when when you try to you know just as you were saying vomit or regurgitate and and give people too much then uh it almost makes me think of like uh you go and get a great haircut and uh, and then you have no idea how to actually style it the next day and do the same thing that that they that they gave you and, uh, right. and that's so un- that's so unfortunate, you know, because you wait, wait, are look- we talking biographically about me now again, or, or uh, okay, <laughs> no, but there is a beard question, so <laughs> yeah, okay. that, will, that will definitely come later. Um, I'm sorry, but, go on. But, I'm sorry. but you're you're so right. Um, you know, when when the subject matter or the content is um, is is very confusing and can go over people's heads, uh, just presenting one idea. In, in the best fashion is is so much more important than trying to give somebody uh, or a group of people everything. And right. um, I think you highlighted that very well. Yeah, and it's, it's I think, really the master discipline, like the holy grail of of sharing. And and uh, because, like, Jojo Mayer is, uh, I'm, I'm proud to, to call him a friend, and, and we have, we have a, 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 like, contact every once in a while, and, and I'm always, like, so inspired, and, like, my head is always, like, full, uh, even after short conversations that we had, because he's just, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he would, I think, fall into that category of, like, when we talk about geniuses, but um, one thing, I mean, he's a great musician, uh, uh, I mean, that too, <laughs> but what I wanted to say is he's a great magician as well, and uh, he... Uh, he told me once that, like, look, there are different approaches to magic. You can, there are these magicians who they show you a trick, and then the, you know, the coin is somewhere else, and then, and then they look at you and kind of laugh at you, almost like, look how stupid you are. Didn't you see that? And then there is this other approach of like doing magic for people, and with the with the intent of like, isn't this amazing? Kind of. You know, so the, and, and these are, I think, the two choices that we sometimes have. Um, and the, the other thing that underlines that is um, that I figured out, if I look like in my, into my value system, it's very important for me to know and to remind myself and to, to also express that only because in this little field, I maybe am at a different point than people who uh, want to have lessons from me or, or go to a concert doesn't mean that I'm a better human being, you know? So some artists might sometimes get into that trap of like, look, I'm awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and this is where the don't take yourself so seriously part also comes in, which is like, you know, don't. And, and British people are great at that. You know, they, they, they will never, uh, Put themselves on a too high of a horse because there is always a joke coming around the corner that totally devastates and destroys you if you get uh, near that that um, that behavior. So, yeah, I think that's super important, and um, it's it's the best environment to to be in. And if if you're committed to learning, to constant learning yourself, uh, you of course find out uh, all the time. Like, look, you basically know nothing, and you. You have to up your game, and uh, and if if people want to join you in that, amazing. I'm in good company. Yeah, the more you know, the less you know. Yeah, that's a that's a great point for the question that I had for you, Benny, um, to kind of pick up from, which is growing up in a small village and being the only drummer. Where did you get the education? Where you know how did how did you know which direction you wanted to go? 
as a drummer and how did you learn? Because I, I would imagine back then, I mean, I know for a fact back then there wasn't YouTube like there is now and you couldn't, you didn't yeah. have access to the things that we have access to now. So what did, what did you do in that regard? It was the times of MTV. Yes, I'm that old. It was when MTV actually had music videos and uh, it, it, um, there was like in, in those German TV stations, uh, of course there was the same crap during the day, like uh, everywhere. But then at night there sometimes was, classical concerts or jazz festivals so i realized look if i stay up late um i can i can sometimes see stuff that i've never seen before and that blows my socks off and so i i tried to get that whenever i could the other aspect was that my brother uh, listened to quite unusual had a, had a very unusual music taste for back then in germany um he listened to a lot of funk stuff a lot of 70s stuff um uh, like James Brown Tower of Power like uh, even some some disco stuff and like weird things that really wasn't like uh, you know end end of the 80s I mean it wasn't really the the thing especially in Germany and 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 a big part was actually like these DCI videos like the the company that later became Hudson Music that did education videos when I when I got hooked with that um I just like ate one after another of those and and uh, uh, and of course then playing with other people I, I played with a big band and a punk band at the same time which was a huge uh, yeah double life that I had to manage but it was beautiful and um, yeah it all started from there it was a little bit patchwork ish because I didn't have lessons I started when I was six years old I didn't have lessons till I was uh, 12 and in that time like um i didn't have like one figure that kind of gave me uh like a flow of of, of things um it was like getting things from here and there and who was who was your first teacher if you don't mind me asking uh well the first two teachers were um really well let me put it that way um <laughs> <laughs> the the first two teachers were maybe the reason why I later uh, decided to to bring some structure into my way of learning and into my way of studying because it wasn't there right. um, there and and uh, yeah it, it it was it was a little bit weird I didn't really click um, with with both of them that much till I later studied music when I was seventeen. And then, really, there was some guy who had incredible sense of teaching and uh, was was able to butt heads with me um, because at that time I was like, "Look, I'm the greatest drummer in my village." And, <laughs> and then, and then I, I realized that I had to change my approach. And uh, but the first two, I often thought, what would have happened if I would have had like an amazing teacher, like very early on. And um, actually, I think the good thing is because I played trumpet before I played the drums and, and, and piano and had lessons and stuff. But, but through that, the drums were always my thing. Like no one told me what's wrong or right, you know, no one said like, hey, do this and that. I went into the basement and I did my thing. There was no one who had any like tips or rules and 
I think it made the drums really my instrument and, and uh, I got a very close relationship uh, to it. At least that's how I now uh, kind of rationalize it for myself. <laughs> so while we're, while we're at this point, Benny, uh, I think there's a couple questions from our Facebook group uh, mm -hmm. that uh, are consistent with where we're at. And for those listening, uh, facebook.com slash group slash chocolate croissants. Uh, one of the cool things about being in our private group, uh, besides connecting with a lot of other uh, people similar to you, is that you get to ask our questions or ask your questions to our guests like Benny. Uh, I think I'll speak on all of us uh, to just apologize in advance for botching any names. Um, but there's two similar questions from uh, Huang from Vietnam and Adam from Sweden. Awesome. Uh, so the first, what kept you motivated when you were struggling learning drumming early on? And uh, the second, you're such a successful drummer today, but I'd love to hear about those times when you definitely didn't feel like one. Have you ever failed badly or had any major setbacks? And how did you overcome those obstacles? Right. Um, uh, what kept me motivated was... Yeah, that it was my thing. It was it was uh, almost my only thing, in a sense. I don't want this to sound super sad or <laughs> like dramatic, but um, it really was like the drums were my friend and my way of expressing myself, and and uh, was also my way to to be different in school. And and uh, I think it was yeah, I I. That's the thing why I later chose it as a profession because I never thought too much about that motivation stuff in, in uh, or never had to think too much about it until I then really studied music and made it a profession. And that leads into the second question, which is when didn't you feel like a, like a profession, which was when then all the rules and all the, but this is what you have to do and this is how you become successful. And if you don't do that, then... You don't, won't get any gigs and blah, blah, blah. and where this being different then all of a sudden became like um, a disadvantage almost or it was presented like that sometimes and um, I mean uh, the times when I felt challenged or not as a good drummer well, yesterday. I mean, let's start with yesterday. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, there are always moments where um, it really depends on how how self-loathing I am uh, it, 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 at which day. But um, I at least now have strategies to get out of it uh, very fast, and um, I I now am smarter and know myself better when I get into these um, these moments. Um, first of all, I had them before. And I know how to get out of it. So one thing, uh, I, for for example, I, and I sometimes got myself into these. Um, gosh, I don't even know where to start when we talk about challenges. Um, <laughs> um, that, like, I mean, one one thing that I learned was that, like, frustration or even depression, if we talk about like the the next level of it, uh, usually has to have two legs. Like one leg is blueprint or expectation and the other one is strategy or what you do about it, basically. So if like or so as an example, if like frustration or like depression has to be I don't. So blueprint, 
I don't like how it is or I hate how it is, right? And then strategy, the other leg, I can't change anything about it. That's what really depression is. Like I hate it and there's no way out, right? So a, a little milder version of that, which is frustration, is like, no, I thought this would be different and oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know? So so and, and this is a this is a feeling that, that comes around very often if you confront yourself with or you do that on purpose even. I mean we're so crazy. We think about it. When when we practice, we take things on purpose that we cannot already do and then say like look I'm gonna try it and then you find out well you actually really can't do it and oh and ooh, what to do now and then is the question okay you now feel like a beginner does that mean that you're not talented or that you're stupid or that you were born in the wrong country or whatever reasons I came up with back then um, or or is it that you're human and you're practicing and this is a very different perception or a blueprint right it's like Look, I'm a human being and I feel like a beginner because I'm a beginner at this thing that I just set out to practice. It makes total sense. It doesn't mean that I'm now bad all of a sudden or I'm not talented anymore all of a sudden. And guess what? If I'm slower uh, in learning that stuff or becoming better, maybe I had the wrong perception. It means I thought this should be super easy you know this i i should you know based from uh, like uh, twice the speed why not that that's the that's the discrepancy between uh, like your cognitive brain that can say like you know i will just make up what i want to do and then the physical world the body who says like well uh wait a second you know and and your brain is usually faster than your your muscle memory is so so this is the point at practicing when we think about like, oh, I'm, this is not that hard. I'm so stupid. Why is this so hard? I, I, feel, I feel stupid. Which is this difference between, well, I expected it to be easy and now I realize how it really is. And uh, I mean, this is just a, like a short, um, and actually I'm writing a book right now about efficient practicing. And um uh, so I did a lot of research in the last like 15 years because I was super frustrated and uh, and and realized I don't need more discipline or I don't need more talent um, or if I need more talent it's, it doesn't help just wishing for it uh, and or being sad that I don't have it um, but but I need a more disciplined approach and I need more tools and more knowledge uh, how to get out of these and make it make the process maybe easier. And, um, and the other aspect I want to add, if you don't mind, do we have still have time? <laughs> of course. Um, the, the other process uh, th that I had to figure out when I moved to Hamburg and uh, went into the professional world and practiced a lot, a lot, um, I... I really um, got into a bad place because I thought if I want to become better, I have to search for things that are not good and I have to search for mistakes. And this kind of uh, spotlight, this, this, this permanent like way of, of directing my thoughts to the what is not good enough, what is, not, uh, what is there still to do, and you know, da, 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 
really got me into a very I came super became super depressed because I was like look this is not fun at all anymore and I really had to get out of this and and be like I have uh, I don't know who said it I think it was a psychotherapist um, in history I don't know it wasn't Freud but it was um, who said like if we would talk to our friends like we talk to ourselves we wouldn't have any <laughs> you know it's like yeah. how how nice are you to yourself uh and and you know giving you yourself some like yeah you know what try it again it's not that bad and so i really became more aware of my mental nutrition and my way of communicating with myself um and that is also another aspect but we could go into many many of these and as i said i'm writing a book about it so my head is in that as well but um, yeah, I'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> well, Benny, that brings up a perfect point that, that I struggle with myself, which is there's a lot of things in my life, in professional and personal life, that bring me a, a bit of anxiety. And I like how you said that you have to sort of learn how to shine a light on the negatives and the weaknesses in order to figure out how to get past it. But at the same time, you can't beat yourself up about it. You have to be nice to yourself and you have to understand that these things are part of your part of who you are in a way and that you can't you just can't beat yourself up about it but uh, you know I'm curious um for you in that dark time of depression or even in your personal life when you've gone through things that you've put a lot of energy into and haven't worked out you know how do you personally deal with the anxiety that comes from the thoughts you have and the way that you may spiral out in talking to yourself. And maybe, maybe you don't do that at this point. Maybe you have really um, mastered the way that you communicate with yourself in, in that context. But, you know, I find that I have good days and bad days personally. Certain yeah. days, certain days I can, if I'm feeling anxious about something, I can talk myself, you know, into a really good place with it. And then there's other yeah. days when, my mind just seems to race so fast, just just incredibly fast where I can't catch up. And <clears throat> I'm lucky because I never really go into panic mode. You know, it, it right. never gets that bad, but it gets Because bad. you have super loving dogs, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And But you know what? You know, it's funny. Um, this past week, I was in the UK. I was recording a, um, a new drum sample library for my, my company, Get Good Drums. And there was a ton of, I mean, every day I was in, the, I was in the, the room tracking, hitting, as you know, if you've ever sampled drums, you know, one yeah. cymbal at a time with yeah. multiple seconds in between and one drum That's at a time. That's the thing, people always think that it's so much fun, but you basically sit there and do... T -t 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there was, you know, when we were doing the cymbals, for example, um, you know, like the, we, I think we did like... Um, uh, a, a classic custom dark crash that was a 20 inch, you know, I would have to right. hit that at full volume. And in between the next cymbal hit, there was a good 22 to 24 seconds of 60 okay. beat per minute pulse that I had to sit through. And I was right. doing this all day. And right. when you're in a room and you have to be quiet and you're isolated and you really can't talk to the people that are, that are tracking you and you're really focused on, as an example, like getting the hits consistent, you, you have all this time with yourself. And I would almost compare it to like 
being in a sensory depri- deprivation tank or something like that. I, and I and it, I talked to Justin and Jordan about this earlier this week, and I think one of them brought this up specifically. Um, and I find my I found my mind going into all these places and visiting yeah. all of these things that I had not thought of in so 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 long. And yeah. at one point in the in in this session my mind was just going haywire because I was thinking about the work. I was thinking about the session. I was thinking about the physical movements that I had to make. And then I was also thinking about, well, what does this all mean? And where does it stem from? And what are these things in my past that are, that are making me feel this way? Um, So I I guess to round this out, you know, for you, do you go through those processes as well? And if so, what is your method? If you have one to slow down the mind, recenter, and then redirect it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I gotta be—I want to be respectful to people that have actual, like, clinical depression. Um, I, I didn't have that, so I just want to be uh, uh, respectful to those people. When I talk about depression, it was just like I was down, I was miserable, but it wasn't like um, I hadn't have any—I didn't have any suicidal thoughts or any like that. So sure, I want to—I want to be respectful to to people who have that and. Uh, uh, so, but, and the other thing is that you mentioned is, uh, I mean, what you then there experienced, I mean, people pay sometimes a lot of money in uh, meditation retreats to get to that point, And it just shows your efficiency that you use uh, <laughs> a recording uh, to live through that. So that's great. Uh, but I mean, it's, um, the, the, the thing is, when I realized how, um, it, it, that that I'm simply, first of all, I felt I felt miserable, and second of all, I then felt even more miserable because I felt ungrateful because I was like, look, um, and this is sometimes a problem with people like in our positions, um, because you wished to be this like all your life, and then you were on tour, and then you do this, and then you can play the drums, and I mean, this is amazing, you know, and then you feel miserable. What a, what a kind of an asshole are you to feel miserable? You know, it's like, so yeah. it's even that on top. It's like, you should be happy again, expectation, right? So, um, what, what I then went to and what's the usual step for people is to, to go into positive thinking and which is another problem because it's like a band aid, which is, um, you go into the garden and say like, look, there's no weeds, there's no weeds, there's no weeds, there's no weeds and close your eyes uh, but there, guess what? There are weeds, and you have to pull them out. And and the best way then is to be like, there is what what's shitty is always available, but as what's nice is also always available. So um, I read once about this incredible test that they did with. Um, I mean, it's super simple. They they said to a group, look, um, you have now um two seconds or three seconds or something like that to look at this picture that we show you and you have to remember and later write down everything on this picture that is red are you ready are you ready go and they show this picture it's a picture of Times square or something and they take it away and then people are like oh okay the coca-cola commercial the 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 ambulance truck uh, re- red light and then the da da and then the kfc and then the blah blah, blah and, da, da, da. and after a while they rationalize and they say like look there have been a couple of cars so there must be a red light at the end of this car and blah blah, blah, blah. so they then have 14 things maybe written out 
And then they, they ask them, without showing the picture again, now write down everything that you saw that was blue. <laughs> and people can't do it. They sometimes then rationalize and say, like, look, I think there was a police car with that red light, so uh, that was blue, I think. And then that's it. But then they show the picture again, and you see, like, look, guess what? There is way more blue than red on this picture. Did your eyes see blue? The answer is yes. Did your mind um, register and save that and realize and feel it? No. Because your spotlight was geared towards red, 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 red. So this is how our mind works. And it's super important that it works that way. But then we have to be careful where we point our spotlight at. So um, an exercise for my students that I give them, I sometimes have these kids that that sit there and that really want to like already are serious about drumming and serious about music. Uh, and some of them are serious about their YouTube channel or whatever it is. And then they're super critical of themselves. And then, and then they play and afterwards they, they put their head down and, and it's like, what, what, what is wrong? It's like, ah, oh, I didn't, the hi hat wasn't consistent and the snare drum. Was, uh, and then <laughs> you, you immediately, you immediately realize like, okay, oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. The spotlight is finely geared towards everything that could be wrong. So a rule that I have for myself and I recommend to, to students is record yourself always and then uh, listen back to it. And at first you have to write down five things that are blue, so to speak, five <laughs> things that are, that are good, that you liked about your playing and you're not allowed and you have to write it out on paper, right? Because it slows down your mind, it, it structures your thoughts, it's powerful shit. And, and we sometimes forget about that stuff. And, and then after those five, you're then allowed to write down the things that you can improve. And this is like one simple technique to, to kind of see what's there and, 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 and uh, good and bad. And to, to, re, to, to regain some balance there. Because, and to your answer, you also asked like how... Do you have days like this? Do you have days like this? Or have you mastered? Uh, I, I haven't mastered it, definitely. I, I have these tools now and I, be, I become more efficient and faster in applying them and, and, and diagnosing when I need them. But like, I mean, the word balance is so beautiful because someone who walks on a tightrope, if, if you think about like, how often does he have to make adjustments and correction? How, how often does he have to balance? And the answer is all the time, constantly. Like you can't balance something uh, like we hope it would be. Like you know what? I I set this on the right course, and then I just lay back and 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 have a coke. It's it's not like it's not like that. You have to constantly balance and constantly uh, adjust. That's that's just how it is. The question is just how fast are you in making these adjustments so they then become smaller and easier to do. And, um, and, and do you criticize and, and uh, kind of uh, talk down on yourself if you have to make adjustments at all? Because I should be great at this. Why do I have to make adjustments at all, right? So um, I think accepting that balancing is a constant thing and then having things that give you that balance uh, is the key. That's great. 
I actually, I, I really can resonate with that. Um, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I like that you require your students to focus on the positives first. Shine the spotlight yeah. there first, then worry about the places that need true improvement or the things that, that they're that they're giving themselves a hard time about. Um, which, you know, when I teach as well, I find that so many of my recurring students, students that I've worked with now for years that keep coming back, the lessons are about 80-20, right? It's 20% about drumming. And it's eighty percent therapy. And, ah, wow! And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not a therapist. You know, I've been <laughs> I, I've been through a lot of things, and I've struggled with these things myself, and I can relate to what they're going through. Um, but I still need my own therapy in that way. Um, and so I, that's a, that's sort of a separate point. But I guess what I was getting at was. You know, do you find that that a lot of times when you do your your master classes or your clinics, or I don't even know if, if at this point you even do private instruction, um, but do no. you find that a lot of the the people that ask you questions and a lot of the things that that um, you get challenged with from your students, do they tend to be based in in this bigger picture world that's not necessarily focused on drumming, but more so kind of what you're talking about? I mean, it, it is therapy. I mean, what you just said to me in your response is absolutely therapeutic. And I actually really appreciate that because, you know, we know these things. Like I know that when I'm having a bad day and I'm, I'm, I'm having my mind race and I'm, I'm thinking about all these things that are going wrong. I know that there's a lot of good and I, and I know that I should focus on the good, but it's very, very hard to do that. What I liked about what you said was that it's essentially a strategy it's it's use yeah. use the the system is the solution kind of idea of wait a minute okay i'm having anxiety right now i'm overthinking some things am i going to let this spiral out of control or am i going to default to the 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 system and for for what you described that system seems to be the first thing you need to do is be grateful focus right. on five things that you're grateful of or five things that in the experience you're having that you did really well. And then once you kind of can regain your breath and you can kind of take a, take a couple of deep breaths and, and recenter, then as you said, focus on the next part, which is okay. Um, it's like the two leg part, right? Now yeah. is the strategy. What's wrong and, and how am I going to fix this and identify it to move forward? So I, anyway, my yeah. question, my question is, do you find that, that you end up having these conversations with your students quite often? Um, yes. Um, but I mean, first of all, I also, of course, have to say I'm not a therapist. And if there are anything serious would come up, I, uh, I would recommend a, a professional to deal with that. But um, it usually doesn't come to that point in, in terms of um, that. Um, I, well, let me put it this way. You, you can base your teaching uh, with drums or with anything on a more surface level without a problem. You can say, look, here's right, right, left, left. Here's left, left, right, right. Do that. Okay, let's now do it faster. And if someone asks you how to do it, which is the lady, lazy cop out, usually you can say like, look, look, you just have to start slow. 
and then speed it up gradually, <laughs> which is, uh, and then and then leave it at that. So you can do that, or and, and which is which is um, changing, which is basically behavioral change. So what you do is like you have in hotels, right? You you can. You travel, we, we all travel a lot, like you, you can immediately sense the difference between behavioral um, um, teaching and, and, and change or authentic kind of uh, like, I give you an example. You go to a hotel and uh, you, you get your bags down, you're sweaty, you had a long, long ride. And there's this girl not looking at you and saying like, oh, we're so happy to have you at our house. And, and and it's like, you're not, of course you're not happy. You hate your job and, and you just have to say that. Otherwise you get fired. And I feel it. I absolutely feel it. And, and, and then there are sometimes restaurants, for example, where you get in and there's this uh, big mama who comes to your place and, and recommends you some food that she's fucking proud of because it's her thing. It's her dream, and she is proud of the food, and he, she wants you to enjoy it, and she is really happy that you're at her house. And, and it comes from a different place. And so you can either spend a lot of time telling people what to do and say, look, turn around, look there, say, we're happy to see you, then smile, and then say that, and then that's a more friendly environment. It always works. Do that. And we do that in drum education a lot. It's like, play this fill in rock, you'll be safe. That's a rock fill. Like, it, it will sound like rock. It's great. <laughs> and if, if, if you want to play Latin, you just do that. And, and then people think you're, you're this Latin guy. It's like, you know what? Music is communication too. And it just stinks the same way as it stinks in hotels when someone doesn't mean it and someone doesn't really own it and love it and um the other thing you can do is then change your mindset and change uh, the place where you operate from and everyone knows this if if for example and the other thing is it's much easier so i do it because i know if i get to that level with people i can impact them much more than if i tell them a couple of things to do and I wanna I wanna get them into a mind space of valuing music and and valuing themselves and and understanding things to a level that they then can do all and come up all with the things themselves and the and do all the right things all of a sudden because they can if they have the right mindset. And an example would be um let's say you talk to your best friend and you said like look uh, can we talk tonight? I, I, real, I feel really shitty. Uh, my girlfriend uh, like has left me and like I really need to talk. And he's like, absolutely, uh, buddy. Like At this time when I'm off work, call me. I'm there for you. I will listen. You then call him and you start to say, like, look, okay, this is what happened. And oh my God, I don't know what to do. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I don't have time for that now. Boom. And he hangs up. What? What is your reaction you probably are 
like uh, pissed off or hurt or confused and like, oh, this asshole, how can he do this to me? He's my best friend and now he's treating me like that. I told him I have something important to tell him and now that and like, so the, all this stuff goes on and, and then you're like, I will never call him again. He's not my friend anymore. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And then you can go into this whole thing and your whole behavior changes because you have a story of what that is. Now, if you would know that half an hour ago his mom died does your whole behavior change or not of course it does right you will get out of yourself you will call back and say like look i'm so sorry is there anything i can do for you uh, is there blah, blah, blah. and you will mean it if someone would tell you in that other mindset, look, he probably has a good reason. Just ask him whether you can do something for him. You would say like, fuck off. What are you talking about? You know? And, and so, so if, if you change your mindset, your behavior changes in wonderful ways and in your unique way, everyone would do it differently. You would say like, look, buddy, um, um, I'm there for you. Someone else would be like, Hey, I will get to your house and everything. whatever you do, it will be your style. And this also answers the question of like, if you keep people in this, do this, do that, do this, there is no chance that they will involve, uh, that they will develop their own style and have their own feel. But if you change mindset and behavior and, and give them more understanding, they will automatically act from an own um, authentic place. And I, and I hope I was rambling that that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, Benny, it's it's incredible just how the, the depth of not only your wisdom but your impressions. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there was there was one thing that did stand out that really resonated with me, and then I'll find uh, perhaps a uh, a a nice way to transition to another question to help you tell your story. But you know, you mentioned about positive self talk. Uh, which is very important, but you, you used it as uh, the warning. Sorry, can, I, of, can I interrupt you for one second? I'm so sorry. Um, I forgot to say this. Um, it's, for me, it's not about positive self-talk because also like Matt, when you said, uh, yeah, it's great that you make your students focus on the positive first. It's not always like that. It's not, it's not a thing that you have to always do. I sometimes have, have guys where I think like, you know what? They need a kick in the butt. Mm -hmm. They, they think they play and it was cringeworthy and, uh, and they look very happy and, <laughs> and you'd be like, look, let's listen to this again. Is there anything that you can find like where we, where we should like kick it up a notch where you, where you should have a higher standard for yourself. And, right. and so, so that can also happen. I'm not saying that, um, that it's one or the other, but that's where it again comes in. There is not all... It's not always like this or that. It's a balanced thing. And um, if you find yourself criticizing yourself first and always and only, then that is the way to go, to be like, okay, I will focus on that other thing first because I have to train that muscle now. And if you realize, look, I'm, I'm a little like, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I don't know what to do. I don't feel motivated. I think everything is great. Then you have to focus a little bit on like, look, like it, you have to have a higher standard for yourself and then what comes up. Sorry, I just wanted to, sorry, uh, Jordan, you know, go. I'm glad you brought that up because to the point that it's not all or nothing or one or the other, 
because what I was referencing when you're saying positive self-talk can be used as a band-aid and it's not necessarily helpful. And I mean, just an hour ago, I was at my own therapy session. And uh, right now I'm currently transitioning to uh, a different job in a different field uh, that I'm sure I'll talk about in future episodes, but it comes with a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And right. it, it, the, the therapist, he helped me realize like, I should be feeling terror right now because there's a lot of instability <laughs> in my life and I'm not sure how things will play out. Right. And you pay him money for that. I mean, exactly. it's amazing. <laughs> so, but the idea that if I just do all this positive self-talk to the point where I'm in denial of the real feelings and the truth within me that, yeah, there are uh, valid fears that I'm carrying within myself. If I don't allow myself to accept that truth, then I'm going to suffer in some way, I feel, personally. Right. Um, and, and I really you- like that you're able to see that uh, it's, it's not black or white in that this strategy of positivity isn't always the entire game. And in fact, there's 20 different ways that we can demonstrate or experience positive self-talk or positivity more generally. Yeah. And I actually think that uh, this positive thinking or only patting on the back way of teaching is the laziest teaching that you can do. Um, Because if you uh, if you then the guy who's like great man awesome awesome man awesome uh, it's it's it might make you like popular at first and and be but people even deep down that feel that that wasn't like super helpful always and and it's amazing to see that that if if you offer both sides if you act from a point of respect and and. Uh, and say like look this is not all there is this is great this is great well done now this and this i think we could work on and and you sometimes make people more happy uh uh, addressing that and then having maybe some tools for that uh, because this is where the real where the real stuff happens Uh, sometimes it's important like that's why we have good friends uh, or family you know to sometimes say like look You've been acting a little weird lately, and uh, you know, and sometimes that's that's so important. Or like this this typical moment, I, you know, I'm one of these guys. If someone has something in their beard, I will always <laughs> tell them right away. You know, I'm I'm not or something in you know a, a piece of uh, 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 some herbs uh, in in between their teeth. And they were talking and smiling at you, and you can either like say like, uh-huh, or you can say like, look, you have something there. Do this, or you know, right? The and, truth. Yeah, and and people are thankful for it because if you let them run around, and at the end of the night they go to the restroom and think like, why has no one told me? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're in a weird position too. So I think, as as someone. You have to have both sides, but of course, the other way, people think if they if they offer these corrective kind of is that even an English word? I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah, corrective. Yes, uh, I was lucky there. I made that dress up. Great. Um, um, if if they offer these corrective uh, like statements, that they will always be the bad guy, but that they always would be like, but but it's not the same like saying, 
Ah, you have something in between your teeth. Look at you, you stupid man. Didn't you see that yourself? Oh, my God. Like, it's not that. You can you can do that in a respectful way and in a way where someone knows, like, wow, thank you. Thank you that you care and that you tell me. And, um, yeah, so this is, I think, it has to be balanced and it has to be... Um, uh, and that's the mindset again the, and the intention again. If you really want to be really helpful and uh and it's not about you that much hopefully then um yeah th this is this would be the perfect thing i'm not saying that i always have um i always operate out of that thing where i'm like can do that and and realize that in every second but it's it's a thing for me to strive for and uh and something where i wanted to have a lot of tools in my arsenal to be effective first of all for myself and then for, for other people. Benny, uh, I, I think that the, what you're speaking on of, of this like balance and this, this flexibility, and, and I always think of uh, what Jordan talks about of having positive self-talk and, um, and you know, not being so rigid, kind of going with the flow. Um, it's, it's great that you're referencing this and that you're bringing this up. And, and I love that every, you know, all three of us are, are experiencing things in our lives and, and the wisdom that you're sharing is actually resonating with all three of us. I, um, I just finished uh, studying a summer session class and I had a week transition where uh, uh, I started moving and, and you know, that's obviously a, a big undertaking. And then uh, uh, school started again, university started again this week and, and it's been a lot on my plate and yeah. trying to find the balance for me to, to do something that I love, which is training uh, the ball has kind of been rolling in the wrong direction. And, and a lot of times I, I have to talk with, with clients about, you know, when we fall off track, how to get back on, the longer the duration we're off what we want to be doing, the harder it is to get back on. And so right. in my head, I've been saying to myself, well, be nice to yourself. Don't be so rigid. And I've been having this positive self-talk when I should probably have a bit more balance on the other side of the coin, which is like, wait a second, like, who are you kidding you're only fooling yourself if you keep rolling the ball in the wrong direction. And um, I, think, right. I think what you're speaking on, uh, you know, that, that this is, um, it's great to be flexible. And, it, and it's great to have that balance in life. And we need that. And so many people need to hear that you need to have balance in your life in all things. Um, but when, when you're going uh, one way, and a lot of people end up going that way, you have to find a way to then counteract that so that you can at least get back to the center where you have that balance. Right. And, and that's, I mean, that's the deceiving thing about progress anyway, um, which is, and which is the, the, the difference between uh, management and leadership. Like management is the guy with the machete who goes through the rainforest and does chuck, 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 and, you know, makes this way and just goes there and goes there. And then he looks back and sees how far he has already come. And he keeps going and he's sweating and he keeps going. And then, and then he's so proud of his progress because he's really making progress. It's amazing, you know, and that is management, doing things, being efficient. And then there is leadership, which is, the guy on the on the on on the mountain that looks down and says like hey you're going into the wrong direction <laughs> you know it's like it it's very important to 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 make progress and stuff and to get into working mode uh, but it's also important i mean in medicine they say 
the right diagnosis is half the cure. So you have to know, <clears throat> you have to know first what it is actually that we're dealing with. And, and, um, I, I mean, I really learned this because look, maybe I, I'm not fulfilling many German stereotypes because I don't drink beer. I hate soccer. <laughs> and I uh, and and uh, then Matt even tells me that I'm funny, so this doesn't fit at all. But 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 one thing that I learned in uh, in 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 Germany is that it's very important for us to do things right, right? We we really want to be good at our job, and we want to do things properly and right, and we want pads on the back for that. And and so if I want to entertain this stereotype. Um, this is where we get our brownie points for. And, and uh, I think every one of us sometimes realizes that of like, oh, I'm doing it right. I'm doing it right. But I found that my happiness really depends on whether I do the right thing, even if I suck at it or even if I don't feel good at it. But I at least know that it's the right thing. And then it's easier for me to to then be like, OK, well. And, and, and that was the thing when I played a lot in cover bands and, and I played, uh, I tried to do the best I can. I tried to be more professional. I tried, uh, I was miserable. And then I play, I said, I only, uh, it has to be the money. I have to get more money. I have to be more professional. And, and then I had higher paying cover jobs. And then I said like, well, there's still, I'm, I'm, I, I'm frustrated. So it's the music. I, I only want to do good music. I only want to do jazz now like in 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 hotels and like uh, ballrooms and stuff so i only did jazz and i was miserable and then i was like okay it's the people i play with i only want to play with the most badass people jazz and it's highly paid and and uh and i was miserable and then i went on tour with my little punk band and everything went wrong the bus broke down we <laughs> didn't earn any money I, uh, we hurt ourselves uh, on, on stage. We, uh, someone got electrocuted and it, it was, it was an absolute train wreck, but it felt amazing. It felt like this is the right thing. And it really, when I came home, I then called all these guys who were essential figures in like the cover scene here in Hamburg and all the musicals and stuff that used to book me. And I called them and said like, look, Felix and look, blah, 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 whoever it was. Uh, I will never play cover music again. If you have any like original stuff that you write or you know someone who does their own music or you know someone who wants to work with me or, uh, or uh, like uh, you can give them my number. But if you ever have any jobs that uh, involves cover music, please don't call me. Don't call me. And they said like, are you fucking out of your mind? What are you talking about? And I was like, yeah, th this is how it is. And, to be quite honest, it was a tough half year. I, I sometimes cooked my noodles twice, and uh, it, it. But it felt like the right thing, and and uh, this is also so important. I think as a compass, like in in our lives. Speaking of jobs, I think this is a nice segue. Uh, Samuel Pollock from the Facebook group uh, from Maryland, who I want to publicly thank for helping me out uh, big time with the Beatwall gig last weekend. But he, he's curious, uh, Benny, did you have any, quote, regular jobs uh, before music? And if so, what sort of life, life lessons did you learn from them? Um, none, because I didn't. <laughs> um, I, I, I um, really only ever 
the music. The, the, the only exception is uh, delivering some newspapers, like when I was 13 or something. You could do that in a village. You can drive around on your bike and, and deliver stupid newspapers. And uh, I then found out actually no one cares if you then get tired and you throw half of them away. Um, so um, that was great. And then the other thing was that um, when I was turning 17, uh, now this doesn't exist anymore, but I'm actually that old. Back then, you, you still had to do military service when you became a full age, which was 18 in, in Germany. So, um, but because I'm a pacifist and uh, I and a pussy maybe, I, I don't know, but I said, I can't do that. And then you have to do social service instead. So um, I had this one year of working with uh, disabled people and um, uh, to, uh, yeah, to basically cook coffee and uh, clean stuff and like, like get them from A to B. And uh, so this was the most job-like thing I ever did. Did that feel natural for you? Um, quite honestly, um, I love people and I love those people as well. Um, but this was a year where I said to myself, I, I realized if I don't focus on what I really want to do in my free time now that I have left, I will always work for someone else. So I, I really accepted that I had to do this because actually if you don't do it the military knocks at your door and gets you there you know it's like it's you you have to show up to to those jobs um but so I had to do that so what I did was um uh I I did my job uh, the as as good as as necessary basically and then had rehearsals and practiced and in the evenings or at night so that's really interesting. I didn't even know that, I guess, as a German citizen, that was part of the deal. Yeah, it was It was, um, It was. was uh, stopped, I think, two or three years after I was through. So I was like, oh, man. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's how it was back then. So to keep going with your story, Benny, then where did music really start to pick up? Did you go to university for it? Did you start... Uh, teaching as well before you started more composing and recording and performing? Um, I wrote songs uh, even before I studied music. Um, as I said, I played piano and, and I played trumpet and uh, I played in orchestras like with trumpet and I'm, and I also loved it, but like drums became the most awesome instrument and, uh, or uh, remained that for me. And so that's what I focused then on. Why do you think I, that is that's a good question. Uh, part of the answer, I think, is what I told you, which is, I think it was the instrument that I could get my own approach to without anyone interfering and uh, saying, this is wrong, this is right. Um, and, um, yeah, I, and, yeah, and I think it's, it's a, it's a community instrument. I, I never really, like, wanted to be the front man. I, I loved, I still love like in music as well, arranging and organizing and, um, and uh, like even with moving parts, my band, uh, I pay the guys, I, I organize everything. I, I, I want to provide a platform where great things happen. 
and um, this is what the drums really do. They structure a song. They they uh, they support uh, whatever is going on. They sometimes lead a little bit through those um, song parts, uh, and uh, so I don't know why, but it definitely was. It was a very strong feeling that this is my main instrument. This is what I love most. I am a drummer. So that, that was like the feeling. Benny, at a, you spoke earlier. You said that before drums, you played trumpet and piano. I was wondering uh, a few things. At what extent did you study those two instruments? And then speaking of the new record, Grubford 2, um, there's so many different sounds and textures on that album and, and I was wondering, because I, I try to do what I would normally do, which is go on Wikipedia. Um, you know, it used to be every Tuesday, you'd be at the record store and you'd be buying the album so that you could read the liner notes of who did what. Um, right. And I tried to click on it and um, no one has updated the information. I feel like I need to somehow get on there and, and update this for everybody. But Yes, please. Uh, did you perform everything on the album? There are uh, two little exceptions, which is a guest singer on two tracks, on uh, like two vocal solos, so to right. speak. But the whole album is written, arranged, recorded, um, and all the voices are sung by me. And all the like, so it's only vocals and drums. There are no instruments other than the drum set on uh, this album. And I really wanted to create this sound and this density with, uh, yeah, with the voice only. So. Yeah, that, that's so impressive because I listened to um, the whole album through this morning and um, as I was driving. And I mean, I mean, it's crazy to hear it that it was vocals and drums, because honestly, uh, in a different era, I feel like I, but even in this era as well, just just being a musician and, and loving um, just a, a great sense of groove and a great groove in general. I could have listened to you just play the drums on every track. Since it is, since it is to me, it was very genreless. Um, you right. know, I, I could have really just listened to you play, but but then there were these great bass lines, and and I, I heard some tracks where I heard. Uh, I'm gonna go into bass players, your favorite subject. Uh, I heard yeah. like a, a Richard Bona, um, if you know who he is, uh, yes, bass player kind of, of sings along with his with his bass playing. I yeah. heard that, and the fact that you played that is fantastic. You know that you sung that. Um, I heard what sounded like guitar tones and, and what sounded like uh, playing through like a PVC pipe and, and making um, right. like air, air percussive tones. Um, and, and it's funny because I, I chatted with Jordan, my brother, uh, beforehand and I said, oh man, you know, he brought up this, this influence of uh, New Orleans. And, and to me, I was like, oh, I, I heard these influences of, of, um, of when... Uh, Pino Palladino and uh, I think it was Philip Sace and um, Simon Phillips got together and did this project PSP. I heard yeah. Bona, I heard Reggae. Um, I heard all these influences. And, and since Jordan had such a different take on it, I was wondering uh, what influences you uh, now to make music and what influenced, um, you know, what were some of the influences for the new album? Well, first of all, thank you very much. Uh, very generous of you. Um, the Well, there was... Um, uh, there was this album like 12 years ago, which was called Grapefruit, or like now you could call it Grapefruit One, maybe. But it's um, it was my first uh, attempt. It was almost like a successful experiment. Now in hindsight, um, which was I was playing in all these bands, and then I I wrote these songs for myself. And the way I ro always wrote songs was to 
to to capture ideas. I mean, I have a I have a friend of mine who who writes songs uh, as as a job as well, and and how he does it, he he gets <laughs> he takes two or three uh, free days uh, and he sits on his desk and he drinks gallons of coffee <laughs> and just stares at the wall. And at some point, he's like. <gasps> He moves his head like like a dog with a dog whistle and like uh, and then writes and starts to write and th that's not how I can write I, I have ideas anywhere and in the stupidest situations um, and the way I found that I can operate best if I can capture them whenever they come and then I have another time of the week maybe where I cite all those things and I and I select them and then I structure them and and then I realize what was good what was bad and then I construct songs out of those and uh, again uh, funny enough usually it starts with a baseline and uh, it it uh, then there are then certain parts missing and then I think about that and then this has always been my way of songwriting so like to sing stuff Back in the day, I was singing, uh, calling myself and sang on my answering machine, um, which was usually like, I then came home and thought, thought I was incredibly popular and was like, oh God, 12 messages. And then it was only me doing, and I was like, oh, stupid, oh, horrible. And, Very Seinfeld. But, yeah, right. <laughs> bow, chicka, bow, bow. Mm -hmm. but, but, then, but then I... Uh, uh, now in the iPhone age, I, I, um, I now record that simply on my phone. And, but back then, I then wrote these pieces uh, and almost arranged them a little bit in an a cappella style because it was just the fastest way to get those ideas down and out of my head. And then there was this moment where I'm like, okay, I'm now going to arrange this for band and which band should it be? And, uh, and then I was like, what? what what if I just go like the full mile and and keep it like that and and make it nice and and make it work as a sound? And that's when I then had this a cappella plus drums album, and uh, I loved it. I liked it. But um, then it was really the start of my, if you would call it, solo career because like people seemed to like it, and it was my first solo record basically. And and even in the other albums I've then written uh, afterwards and uh, bands then played them or other musicians played them, this was always my way of writing music. And now, uh, 12 years later, I still was feeling this itch of like, oh, God, I, I think I'm now a better writer. I'm a, I'm a better producer and maybe also a better drummer. And I really want to wanna do this again. I want to do like uh, grab food on steroids and I really want to go... <laughs> Like, see what I can do with it now with the knowledge and the tools I have. So sometimes on these tracks, there are now 70 voices. Like, it's, it's almost like choir arrangements sometimes. And, um, and yeah, I, there are all kinds of influences. And if, if you then want to do an album with a sound like this, where it's almost like a concept album, I then, of course, look, okay, I, they can't all come from one place because the sound is always... Uh, uh, pretty set and then I have these two options uh, the songwriting has to reflect different influences and also I have to see what I can get out of those sounds so uh, that's what I what I tried and I think that's that's what you hear when you start with the baseline do yeah. you, that which is obviously the best um, you know in my <laughs> yeah. in my head I was saying to myself well 
you know, it, it could easily have been that you started with, um, you know, some kind of drum arrangement. But it, it, I think it would make sense that what would tie the drums, uh, the bridge that then carries into everything else that you're going to do, that obviously your, your drums, you know, unless you're playing, you know, full on percussion and you have xylophone, marimba, um, something else that, that actually yeah. uh, can, can play some notes. Then, then you're going to end up just with, or timpanis, anything, you know, then you're going to end up with, um, you know, just a, a groove, which is a, a, obviously a great place to start painting the rest of the song. But I think the bass line is great as it builds the bridge between what everybody else will be doing and then what the other part of the rhythm section is doing. And, right. uh, and in that, the question is, when you start with the bass line, do you, do you start to hear the rest of the song take shape or is it something that has to kind of play itself out track by track as you start experimenting and as you said you know recording yourself listening back and and writing down uh the blue things of sorts you know the the five good things let's say and the five bad things of it and then reworking it yeah i mean uh i definitely have more in my head than i can then record and i just try to make it as clear as possible there are simple things like i realized i have to count in <laughs> because mm -hmm. sometimes it doesn't make any sense whatsoever anymore if I if I listen to it like a month later and I don't know where one is uh, and so so it's simple things like that that I learned like how to give myself a better idea of what I actually meant when I was like on the toilet at this restaurant and I had this baseline <laughs> idea and uh, so but but the other thing was so that is a beautiful thing, and but then I still have to get it out somehow. And and I, I realized that fully when I once played one of these recordings to to my uh, then girlfriend, and uh, and I was like, "Isn't this amazing? Look, I mean, it's 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 oh god, it's this huge." And there was this there was this little like stupid melody that I sang, and she just looked at me and was like, "Benny, I don't hear what you hear." <laughs> <laughs> and and I was like, oh yeah, I guess I have to do some more work there. And so, yeah, I I usually have a pretty full idea, but it's not to say that like it's it's already completely done. Uh, having the ideas is the most fun uh, part of it all, and then sometimes arranging it and really putting it into finished songs sometimes feels like doing your taxes. It's like really work. You have to see. Like you said, also like, oh, what is missing? What is good about it? What, and actually, often, what has to go? Like, there is so much stuff in there now. What is the essence of it, and what do I have to get rid of? And, um, yeah. But it's, I mean, it's so gratifying if, if, uh, if when then then comes to flourishing and then it sounds nice. And uh, I'm, I'm so proud of this album. That's awesome. We, it's funny, Justin and I did a um, uh, a training session earlier. He was he was putting lots of weight on a bar and making me push it above my chest. Um, but we were listening to Grapefruit too, and it's actually been in on, in circulation in my car. Um, oh, thank you, man. Yeah, off and on for a couple of weeks, and I'm loving it. And um, there's there's two hey, quick... wait, wait, wait. I gotta say right now that um, you, sir, are responsible for. Um, like there are two songs on this album which uh, were, are called Grab Kestra and one is called Tricky. And I knew it. You, and you are were a major major influence uh, on on the way I wanted to approach these and to play these. So wow, 
Over to you. That's uh, I'm blushing right now. Matt, <laughs> Matt, uh, Matt and Benny. I actually, when I was listening through, um, there was um, I I think it was I think it was trick is tricky. Yeah, tricky. I think yeah. it was tricky. It was either that or or uh, which I ended up after Matt left. I went back and referenced it and said, "Let me listen to it again." Because I could hear, uh, and I'm and I'm not the uh, the most uh, versed in in Matt's you know the the gent metal genre, but the polyrhythms. I went back and listened to that, and I said, "Wow, that sounds like uh, Loon, like the last track on um, uh, the third, the newest Periphery album." And I said, "Wow, that I I could totally see that being a Periphery style groove." I could I could hear Matt playing that, and I was like, "I wonder if." there was some influence, not maybe Matt necessarily, but to hear now, it, it makes total sense. That's crazy. Oh, Benny, that's yeah. crazy. Um, thank you, but that's crazy. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I read, you know, I read your comment on one of the videos you posted about how, you know, you, you use similar sounding stacks um, to, the, to the kind of setup that I use. And I, I just, I love hearing it because it's, a, it's not a, by any means a sound that I feel like I'm responsible for I just like that sound and hearing yeah. you play it the way you do is why it's like I just can get into it I'm like carving out this big pocket with my head and I'm bobbing to it and I'm loving it so for the past past couple weeks um since I since I downloaded the record I've absolutely just been really digging it in the depth and um funny enough we were debating earlier whether or not there actually was real bass on the on the record mm -hmm. and you answered the question that they're they're it's your voice. Um, yeah. So a, a couple people in our group did have questions about the composition and how you went about approaching it and, and the vocal melodies and so forth, but you've actually already answered those questions. But I wanted to ask you uh, about your attention to detail on the video content that you've been putting out over the past while. I mean, um, there's when, when you put out the art and science of groove and, and did the whole crowdfunding thing for that, I mean... I think what you delivered as a final product was above and beyond what people could have expected. And I'm, I'm seeing it now again, even in these videos that Meinl is releasing, um, specifically like in the Couscous video, um, where, you know, right in that, that B section of the song, like right when it, like kind of towards the beginning when you're playing in the raincoat and you have like all the, the chairs behind you. I mean, yeah. the, the, the concepts for these are, are just, they're super creative and uh, you know, e you. even, the, even like the Vic Firth video, um, <laughs> which I thought was, I thought that was great because you utilized the, the, the actual functionality of Instagram, um, you know, to, to really tell that story. So I, my question is, how much of that is you versus how much of that is a collaboration with these these other companies you're working with, like Mino for releasing these videos or Vic Firth? How much of it is you? And I think I know the answer, but I'm curious as to sort of your approach to that and how you maybe map that out. Do you, do you typically use like storyboarding um, or do you write it? What's, what's your method there? Well, also... Thanks. You're very generous again. Um, uh, thank you for that. Um, well, it's very different. I mean, with the language of drumming and, and the, the art and science of grooves, it, it was absolutely um, ridiculous. Uh, like how, like it, it was very much like mine and my uh, obsessive, like control freak uh, um, uh, part. Um, I love movies and I love uh, just the visual 
um, things. And, and I, I love this education stuff. I love good sound. And and I and I was like, if I if I really like spend seven years of my life uh, coming up with this stuff and and thinking about it, then it has to just be great and it has to be so i'm still happy with it like in 20 years or 30 years or and um and it has to be unique and i want to play with all aspects because sometimes what we musicians uh, sometimes do is we focus on our little field and then forget about all the other stuff and i was always amazed that um you know f some some clinicians they they, they focus on um, their backing tracks and then they see what comes up in, as questions. And I'm like, nah, why don't you focus also on the way you talk, what you will say, and how good are you at that, and improve that. And, and if, if you do a drum video, why don't you also focus on um, how that is structured again? How it, does it look? Um, are there any better ways you can use to, to make a point or to, to make a joke or to, to keep people engaged? So, and awesome. Also, quite honestly, like with the crowdfunding, it was, and, and thank you as well again for uh, helping me with that. You did a very wonderful video for me that helped me in the crowdfunding. Um, is is like I got it was a very successful crowdfunding campaign, and I then was of course uh, um, stupid enough to actually use all the money on the production, and uh, it, uh, it's 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 really it's it's just something that I just had to do and I was able to uh, to get a Ghostbuster suit and I was able to get all these weird things that um, yeah I just I just wanted to do and I hoped would make the thing different and better uh, so that was very much my obsession in, and I did storyboard that and I did uh, I was very and sometimes it's not easy for people who work with me then to be quite honest but I tried to have a diplomatic and nice uh, way to to still communicate but I have a very strong vision there and and um, I I'm happy that I'm now at a point and wasn't always that way but I'm now at a point where I will not sacrifice that anymore um, and uh, there is can I go into a hippie story about that please <laughs> I was I was once invited uh, to uh, to India to teach at a university, and and uh, they they were asking me to teach the drum students, and I was like, well, why why would you do that? Because I stole a lot of my educational content from the Indian rhythm system, and now you invite me to <laughs> to teach over there. But they did it anyway, and and then I spent three weeks. Um, at this university and also taking some tabla lessons and blah, blah, blah. And then we were driving through uh, those villages and uh, in, in this uh, bus with no air conditioning and I was miserable and being like, oh gosh. And then there was, on on the left side, we, we had to take a stop because there were a couple of cows going over the street. And I was like, oh my God. And then <laughs> there, there was this one coconut-like tree and there was a lot of garbage next to it and like a sewage thing and like a like a toilet that kind of broke and you could see all the sewage flowing out in, in, in front in the bottom of this coconut tree and i was like oh my god like i don't want to eat that coconut you know it's like i don't i don't know what's going to be in that coconut and and the guy said 
no, look, the, the coconut tree is never sacrificing the quality. If the coconut tree gets less nutrients, less clean water, and less whatever, it will produce no coconut or just one instead of five, but it will, the coconut that you get will always be great quality. And I, at that moment, thought, I want to be like a coconut tree. <laughs> I, I, this is amazing. You know, it's like whatever shit is going on around me, I then will, it will then slow me down or it will then be a little bit harder or it will be less. But it, what comes out will always have that quality standard. And I will not sacrifice that. And, and uh, so... This is what I try to do now, and uh, sometimes it's 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 a little hard work, but I um, I can't do it any other way. And I'm actually very grateful that I sometimes hear people that I respect, like you, or uh, also just comments on the internet or or colleagues that that then pick up on that and say like, look, oh, your your output is 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 kind of nice. And but again, this is not why I do it. It's it's like I just can look myself in the mirror a little bit better. And to answer your question about the Vic Firth thing, that was also partly, I have to give some credit to to Vic Firth, uh, the, the swipe idea, and when that was super new and hip, they introduced that. But the photo shoot with the tree trunk, uh, and I actually manufactured that tree trunk. I'm, I'm a hobby woodworker, and I, and I made this sculpture of this tree where like one stick comes out because I always found it so silly, the idea, and I was cracking up about it. It's like, imagine if, if like, for every stick, you have to, like, use one whole tree and cut it down smaller and smaller until there is one stick coming out, and then you take the next tree in it, um, which is not very environmentally friendly. And this is not how Big Firth does it, but it was a nice thought. So I wanted to have that as a picture. That's really Benny, funny. Uh I'd like to be a, a coconut or a coconut tree as well. And see, uh, let's yeah. all be see, let's all be coconuts. <laughs> and, okay? and in in the states, they've been they've been hating on our coconut oil, but that's like a whole other podcast. Uh, you know, whatever, oh, wrong yeah. time, wrong place. But um, on Grubfruit too, again, that features two tracks that stuck out for me, uh, mostly because of their titles. One, mixed greens, and two, couscous. And uh, I really want, you know, obviously two great items in a, in a very healthy, balanced diet. Um, <laughs> you know, again, going back to balance, which is super important um, all the, for all the flexitarians out there that are trying to keep a balance in the diet. But um, <laughs> what kind of role does nutrition play in your life? Oh, man. Like this, I was thinking about this the whole time we were talking. I was a little bit jealous when, when Matt said, like, look, I was... He was putting more weight on mine. He was pushing me, and I'm like, shit, I, I need you in my life. I need someone like you in my life. Um, I want to be in your life. <laughs> oh, let's be, co let's be coconut trees together. Let's <laughs> yeah, grow I'm going to make you listen to bass players. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so happy I found you. Uh, no, but, but, but it's really like um, this is something that I am constantly, I'll, I'll be quite honest, this is something I'm constantly struggling with, um, that um, I'm much better than I was, but like when I was in my 20s, I basically focused so much on my output and on my practicing and on my uh, traveling and and uh, like that I really treated my body uh, very pure uh, poorly and and uh, 
I, it was one of those things where I then also realized, look, when we talk about balance, I mean, th there has to be some balance there too. And, and uh, I need this to be one wheel in the, in the system that I also need to be a little bit. So I tried to find out about nutrition and I tried to find out about exercise. Am I as consistent there as I would like to be? No, I'm a, I'm a single dad and I um, like have a lot of stuff. I'm not saying this as an excuse because I pride myself to be good at time management. So I, I try my uh, I try my best there, and uh, there is a lot of room for improvement. But is it important? Of course, it is important. Uh, and and I really educated myself on that subject um, as as best I could. And uh, and yeah, it's this thing that I that's constantly on my radar, but I'm not always uh, at the level where I want to be. So that's I have to do there the five things that I like about it, and then, <laughs> and then go to the other part. Yeah, send it to me. I'd like to check it out. You mean my meal plan for the week? No, 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 no. Like, like the five things that um, you know are positive about it, and then and then you know five that are negative, and you know, and see how we can kind of um, you know like rectify or, or come up with a with a, a new plan so you have way more of the positives. Wait, wait. Is this now an actual offer, or do you just do oh, this no, no, for no, our, no, our this, listeners? No, this is like one hundred percent an offer because you know I I think. Um, yeah, I, there's something about um, your accent, and and it's 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 lovely, <laughs> and it's and it's it's so soothing and great to work with. And I know that I, unfortunately I missed the episode we had on this uh, this amazing um, uh, acoustic uh, guitar player Mike Dawes. And and I think Matt started the podcast by saying, you know, sink in uh, and get ready to listen to this this wonderful whatever a bloke or something or gentleman who uh who his accent alone will make you want to to listen and um <laughs> i could have i could listen to you talk all day and, and what are you talking about i don't have an accent <laughs> like, <laughs> i speak perfectly uh, people always make fun of me that's amazing well, benny speaking of uh joseph uh from montreal quebec canada his question was, how does one achieve such a soothing voice tone? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, uh, uh, well, you have to grow up in Germany and, uh, and uh, read a lot of books and don't sleep that much. That's very important. Well said. Um, so we want to keep going with these Facebook questions, Benny, because we do have a few more. Um, okay. And then, so these two kind of blend together. Uh, the first is from Wilson Adams from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and then a similar one uh, from Anthony in East Hampton, New York. So Wilson starts out, what's one of the most commonly overlooked things that you see in people learning their instrument? And then as a follow-up, what's one of the most overlooked things uh, that you see in artists trying to build their brand or following in presence? Wow. Um, as I said, I, I try to really look at case by case. That's why I find uh, I find it difficult because because if I now say one thing uh, and someone would be listening like attentively, it might exactly be the opposite for that guy. Um, but um, one thing that I realized is that. And maybe drummers that are listening, uh, when you have this this weird feeling in your neck when I now say it, you know that it is your subject. Um, 
It is time and sound. Uh, I'm amazed how sometimes even professional colleagues can't or don't want to or are a little bit uncomfortable like tuning their drums uh, and and uh, are not like super comfortable with their instrument. And the other thing is sound. So we, we, we try to focus so much on like what we play that how it comes across is sometimes something that we don't don't focus on that much. Um, and if we talk about musicians in general, it's usually always the stuff that we think is not our business. So for drummers, we think rhythm and time is our business. Um, and and then melody and form and arrangement <coughs> and, and uh, dynamics <laughs> is not our business. Guitarists or saxophonists or like melody players mainly they think they have to practice scales and they do uh, they have to have a bigger range and and uh singers you know it's like they they they, they have like to have a good tone and and to to be fluent in scales and, and and different uh pentatonics blah 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 but they then forget about having an incredible timing and if if you think about guys like stevie wonder or if you think about like great jazz musicians or like even great pop singers um uh, they have it all. They have a great tone. They have a great message. Uh, they have uh, an incredible time. I mean, Michael Jackson voice tracks are like a like a programmed drum part, you know. And and uh, uh, I mean, it's it's really something that I think again goes with the balance thing to look like mm -hmm. whatever you haven't focused on so far. Like, do it. Why not? And super, sometimes people tell me like, yeah, but you can't practice like tuning your drums. And this is something about frequency. Like if if someone has like changes their drum heads once a year, let's say, um, and then they say like, look, I'm not good at it. I don't feel comfortable with tuning my drums. My advice would be um, use the principle of frequency, which is um, if you tune your drums once a um, a year and change your drum heads once a year go to a music store buy a couple of drum heads uh, take an afternoon and record your drums like they sound now get rid of all the drum heads put the new ones on tune them the best you can play them record them and if you're happy with the sound take all the drum heads off take them on again tune them the best you can record them and maybe then you're happy with the sound and then you take all the drum heads off. <laughs> and, you, and most drummers, when I tell that story and, and continue, they're like, ooh, ooh. And then it's exactly then what I'm talking about. But the funny thing is this. Within three hours, you might be able to do this five times or ten times. Now, you then, in three hours, if you do that, have the tuning experience of ten years within three hours that you would normally have. It's true. And this is the power of frequency that that you can like streamline and get so much more experience and get so far ahead if you just say like, you know what, I'm doing this again, I'm doing this again, I'm doing this again. And you know what? Maybe you can do that every evening for three or four days. And then you have 35 years of tuning experience <laughs> like in, in three days and, and that you would normally had like in 35. And so it's not that... Uh, impossible to do but it's these things that we don't want to look at in terms of artists I think what what is super important is um, 
the the that you look at yourself like as artists and there is this saying that says like a uh, um a great musician makes you think about him like what he does how good he does it blah, blah, blah. a great artist make you think about yourself it's it's like something that you look and you think like oh my god and 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 you you feel differently you you it it changes you more than it just makes you admire someone you know uh i think this is something that artists should strive for um to do and in terms of marketing and and uh and branding and stuff it all starts for me with output i think you have there's nothing that's there's this other saying that i love which says I can't hear what you say because your actions are too loud. Mm. Which which is like some people try to be nice and present on social media and they try to to engage and call people and network um but they don't focus enough on their actual brand which is being the best drummer that they can be or being the best band that they can be or making the best album that they can be that they can do and uh that has to always be in the center and then usually the other stuff follows uh I, it used to be different 10 years ago or 15 years ago there were many great artists and acts that didn't know how to market themselves in the new world of 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 social media and internet now there are many many people as i see it um that are amazing at marketing themselves Mm-hmm. and sometimes much better than at the actual skill that they that they want to bring forth so i'm not saying that everyone is like that um but uh certainly not but um but if you think this could be you then go old school and just do it do it for doing it and focus on what you do and then think of that stuff later and the last thing sorry is um I would separate those processes very very clearly and militantly. The process of creation and making a product and making something uh has to be like the best it can be and then okay, how can I bring that to people? If you do things in order to release them and hopefully people will like it and what will people say and I hope that that's that's uh, that's the uh, for me at least that's a recipe for disaster yeah and i think that really uh helps answer anthony's question as well uh you know he was just asking about establishing a unique sound and a personal brand but it really seems like uh you know you do what big mama does and you just be yourself <laughs> <laughs> um i think justin has a question uh from edward smith out of maryland Yeah, um so um Edward Smith was wondering uh if you had any uh tips for beard care. I'm I'm currently growing and I think I'm about two and a half months deep and this is new territory for me so so I I could use some uh beard care tips as well. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> uh here's my secret about beard care. Um you have to have enough testosterone and uh you have to people always ask me like what do I have to do and and the secret is nothing don't do a thing and uh be proud of it if it uh if it um develops a certain smell own it 
be proud of it. I like that advice. I can't get past <laughs> a, like I I can't get past like seven to ten days with it, and then I'm just I like it just itches and it becomes oily and it's really uncomfortable. So um, it's got to go at that point for sure. Okay. Okay. Well, you're still young. <laughs> it's 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 a really um I almost feel like like a like a Rastafarian I'm trying I'm like practicing patience growing the beard I'm like I'm I don't know how to trim it properly there's you know so here's, so if here's actually here's actually one advice that I once learned and it's a very simple one and I think it's a good one here we go uh, I um it, it had to do with my hair loss and then I, I was sitting at the at the uh, at the uh, at the guy who was like cutting my hair and I was like hey Will you tell me the point where it becomes ridiculous? Like, will you will you honestly tell me? And he said yes. And by the way, he lied, but uh, he didn't do it. But um, the the thing about the beard that he shared with me was, you can do whatever you want. You do nothing. But the one thing that you have to do is to trim that your that the upper part of your lip that your lip is visible. So that stash. You have to trim that so it doesn't kind of go into your mouth. That you have to trim at the at the top of your lip. If you do that, even the most messy beard looks uh, looks well groomed. Wow. Please fly over because I I need help with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the value uh, in this episode has been astounding, Benny. um so now that we're approaching two hours one we want to thank you for just being so generous with your time uh i guess it's nighttime for you isn't it it is yeah it's it's uh it's it's half an hour before midnight wow so thank you very much um i think this is a really nice place to start to wrap up um i know you've been able to share uh just so much uh with all our listeners and and i'll speak for them and say thank you but is there any Anything necessarily that you want to push or just any message that you want to share with all the people that will be listening to this? No, I mean, I, I loved it. Thank you, guys. Um, I mean, this was very much like a like an, a dive in into this educational stuff. And, and, and uh, uh, so I'm, I'm totally fine with that. And I hope that people get some value out of it. And uh and I want to thank you guys for, for the platform, and I respect you guys as well. I will um, maybe uh, take my fellow uh, coconut tree up for the offer yes. and, um, and talk about some nutrition, and then I will be maybe as ripped and shredded as Mr. Halpern in the future. So I have some future goals now as well. This was very inspiring for me too. If I'm Benny, if I'm ripped and shredded, it's because of Justin. So I think you should, you know, talk to that coconut a little bit further because it's, it's all his fault. <laughs> and by the way, I'm not ripped and shredded just so you know. Um, no, 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 no. Matt came over today and I said, I had this dream about him being ripped and shredded. He took that shirt off. He is getting ripped and shredded. All Look because at you. Of, all because of Justin and his Dude, and his coconut, um man. just embrace your inner coconut. It's your well it's your influence of uh you know on the whole intermittent fasting thing. I mean it's it's I'm loving it. So Benny, Justin can tell you all about that. It's actually really really cool. So I as far as I really need some help because as far as I understand it intermittent fasting is me getting up, smoking two cigarettes and not working and not eating anything till the evening. Is that kind of correct? Nailed it. Uh, no, not not in my <laughs> no? case. Not no, not in my case. Um, Close. Oh man, oh man, we gotta talk. Yeah, 
No, it's <laughs> it, look. In all seriousness, it's been really attainable to to sort of live with this new lifestyle, and it's something that I actually wouldn't feel right not doing going forward. So awesome. if if you genuinely are interested, Justin is a wealth of knowledge there, and it's I, I'm personally seeing results, and I couldn't be happier with how I feel personally um, doing this, and also knowing the research and understanding why it's beneficial is is uh, you know that really makes it all worthwhile to boot. So if you if you are interested, Sounds definitely nice, man. Justin could help you. So awesome. I think this is I think this is the perfect segue out. Uh, I think it's great that. Uh, just doing this, we're now helping each other in different ways. Uh, to all those listening, and Benny included, if you want to join our private <laughs> Facebook group, uh, facebook.com slash group slash chocolate croissants, that's really what goes down in there. People are helping each other. People are sharing their stories, uh, their struggles, etc. And to see the engagement uh, has been one of the greatest pleasures for all of us in this uh, project of chocolate croissants. Uh, again, to everyone who has listened to this episode, we are so grateful for your attention. It means the world to us. Uh, if you have an iPhone, we uh, want to ask a simple favor. You can open up that podcast app, type in chocolate croissants, and in the top right corner, hit subscribe. I'd assume it's the same if you have Android for Google Play or even other podcast apps uh, like Stitcher. Um, beyond that, if you want to leave a, a review, and a rating in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, uh, all that really helps us and it makes a difference in getting all the wisdom that someone like Benny Greb shared with all of you today into the ears of so many other people. So uh, we will see you guys next Monday morning in that podcast app of choice. In the meantime, join us in the Facebook group. Uh, we had so many great questions for Benny this week, and if you join the group, you will have an opportunity sometime this week to find out who the next guest will be and uh, the chance to ask them a question. Uh, so one more time, we want to thank Benny. We want to thank all of you for listening, and until next time, bye-bye. <laughs> thank you, guys. This has been fun. <laughs>